Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. From the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, with two-man coverage of the red and gold, this is the Locked On Chiefs Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Happy Combine Friday. It's March 3rd. I'm your host, Ryan Tracy, founder of Rogue Analytics. Uh, Chris Clark is off for today, so it's just going to be me and our special guest, John Pollard, formerly of Stats, Inc., a consultant that goes through analytics to the NFL teams themselves. A lot of questions for him. Now, the Combine's kicking off. For those of you uh, who are going to watch it, enjoy yourselves. Pay attention to the drills. That's probably the thing that you can get the most off watching a guy run a 40. is isn't really exactly exciting, um, but the data will be out there. Rogue Analytics will look at it, uh, as will John, and we're going to develop what we can pull from that and really do something kind of unique as we go through the draft prep process. Make sure you subscribe to the show on iTunes or Audio Boom or anywhere on Android. We're going to have a ton of information coming up as we get ready for the draft. You don't want to miss any of that, so go ahead and click subscribe, and you'll be as up-to-date as we are. If you missed the mock draft on Arrowhead Addict, it's up there from yesterday. A lot of interesting prospects I was able to grab. Go check that out. Check out the rest of the Locked On NFL Network. The Locked On NFL Show with Matt Williams is going through the entire league right now as it runs up to the draft. The Locked On NFL Draft guys are killing it. A lot of great insight, and you're going to see some of those guys run this weekend, be able to pick them apart, and kind of put their tape with their performance in Indianapolis. So enjoy that too. Uh, News of the day, John Dorsey actually spoke in Indianapolis. Really some interesting things to say about Tariq Hill and how the vetting process for them took four months and that he was a little bit unique compared to some of the guys he's being compared to this season in that he had already been disciplined and dealt with his punishment and had moved on and had begun the, the process of becoming a better citizen and that the Chiefs helped him continue that. He also touched on Dontari Poe, and that was really the thing that stood out to me the most. At one point, he said, quote, I consider him a really good football player. I'm going to let the process take its way out. As long as there's lines of communication are open, I'd like to have him back, unquote. And that's that's a great attitude to have. I think they're going to let him test the market and see just how strong that market is for Dontari Poe. I will not be surprised if it is weaker than we all expect Injury concerns for a big man, teams are going to take very seriously, and I don't know that he's going to get the kind of contract offers that he's looking for. I think there's still a chance that if that market is really soft, Ontario Poe could end up back in Kansas City, uh, but we'll have to see how that plays out. Now, as for the new recruits, guys that are prospects, we're going to get talking with John here in a second and get into how the process goes about this time of year. Now, for those of us who you haven't heard in our new format, it's been quite a while. Uh, John was on with us earlier, and I want to introduce John Pollard, former general manager of the Sports Solution Group with Stats, Inc., a sports data analyst extraordinaire, uh, and somebody who knows the inside workings of how the NFL looks at data collection and applying it to player evaluations, especially this time of year when you've got 
stats from college careers. You've got the upcoming uh, combine data coming in. Lots of data points that can be used in, in the modern way that teams look at not just scouting, but evaluating players in other ways. Thanks for coming back, John. Thanks for having me on, Ryan. I appreciate it. You know, our, our talk last year was great, and I, I really enjoyed it. It's something that I'm particularly interested in, and I know a lot of folks had a lot of, of I mean, questions covering the gamut. So what I thought we'd talk about is is generally the concept of how we've gone from the old days where there were, you know, a handful of scouts for a given organization that drove around the country putting eyeballs on players and trying to figure out whether they're going to fit into the next level, project whether they were growing into a role that could help the team or not, versus today when you have data everywhere and you have to try to really sift through the soup at this point, right? Yeah, that's a, that's a great way of describing it, actually. And, and I'd say where we are right now, Ryan, is we're probably in the fifth, uh, perhaps for some clubs, sixth or seventh year of utilizing data resources like statistics and analytics supplied by third-party companies like Stats Incorporated or uh, Pro Football Focus, and then combining that information along with, as you just, as you described, traditional scouting information and data that's collected. And as a result, I, from my experiences currently consulting with teams and, and really being at the, the genesis of this a number of years ago, I think now you have all clubs accepting the fact that there are useful uh, things that can come from using third-party data resources in terms of efficiency and breadth and depth of data. But over the last number of years, we've seen clubs become more comfortable in integrating that into a seamless process with traditional scouting methods. Um, and as a result of us having num a number of years of historical data now on the college front, I think we're, the leading edge teams are in the position where they can start to model and project and potentially project uh, the production of a player, let's say a defensive end in college or an edge rusher. And, uh, and then looking at how edge rushers four or five years ago were drafted uh, in the NFL and how their production translated from college to professional. And I think you're going to start to see teams now really look at projection models and then historical impact of players, again, using uh, data resources uh, in addition to the traditional scouting stuff. But again, third party resources like from stats and pro football focus. Now, you know, we talk to a lot of people come on the show, talk about what they see, a lot of scout oriented information. And I, it's so mix and match. It is subjective depending on what a given scout is looking for. And I, I want to make the prediction and you tell me if I'm wrong that organizations probably have their own personality about how they go about mining the data and interpreting it as well. And I got to think that probably at the top of the list, just like everything else in this league is the first thing they're going to ask about is, is how quarterbacks are evaluated through these methods. Yeah. And, and in fact, as, as your listeners and you might guess, Ryan, you know, quarterback being a skill position, the ultimate skill position on a football field, uh, there are more independent metrics that are collected from uh, from data services on the quarterback position. Uh, of course, we're all familiar with pass attempts and, and completions, completion percentage, interceptions, touchdowns. But things like throwing location, launch point location, uh, scramble methods, tendencies to move uh, where, where in the pocket the quarterback moves, depending upon if there's defensive pressure, um, to favorite route combinations, to release times. All that information is not just available for the NFL, but also for college quarterbacks as well. So I think in terms of well, the quarterback's a good example. Uh, and I'll just, if I may, I'll reflect on an experience I had when I was first creating uh, the application that I created 
almost eight years ago now for the New Orleans Saints. And, and that was, I was looking at some, and not just the Saints, but looking at different scouting reports from different NFL teams. And there was, a, a, in essence, an overall category in how they characterized a quarterback's recognition to an open receiver to reaction to the pass itself. So okay, the open receiver and the release, which could obviously you can associate release time potentially to that idea. But at that time, when I was working on the system and looking at different teams' reports, I noticed that many teams used a standard 1 to 10 rating system for a certain characteristic, in, in this case, quarterback. And they would rate, you know, recognition to reaction and release was a 6 for a quarterback. And perhaps another scout said it was a 4. And another scout maybe said it was an 8. And what was interesting to me, coming from a, a very detailed analytical and statistical background in the consumer products and finance industries before coming to sports technology, I was, how do you differentiate between scout A, B, and C in a four, six, and eight ranking? <laughs> and we really never, really never got a satisfactory answer. Um, but what you did find that was more of an implied thing was depending upon the team, they would weight different scouting reports and information coming from independent scouts differently. So a more tenured scout, for instance, might be uh, might have built a reputation for evaluating quarterbacks at a high degree for over a longer period of time. So perhaps that scout's uh, ranking of an eight, let's say, from re recognition to reaction to release, that was weighted more than the scout that maybe said that particular quarterback was a six. But even as I describe this process, you can imagine all the types of players, all the positions, all the players, and all the years of information and the amount of information these teams have, when you have really an, an undisciplined or may, maybe a, not necessarily a formalized way to weight different scouting reports and then subjective information from an individual, it could really cause a lot of challenges uh, for teams to come up with a confident balance in a weighting and how they evaluate independent player if you have, for instance, maybe six or seven different opinions in a, in a draft room. Now, folks, if you're not catching the jit here, John was with Stats Inc. Now he's an independent consultant, which means he gets to see the way a lot of different organizations go about setting boards, looking at players back and forth. Let me ask you this, John, if there's a single position outside of the quarterback, because we will take them off the top, that that teams really want to dig into statistical information on, which would it be outside of those QBs? Oh, that's a really good question. It, it, it can vary by team and culture. And, and, and perhaps, as we might guess, uh, weighted by need. I think the edge rusher position uh, defensive edge rusher is one where I see teams spend a lot of time looking at statistical data, but then really wanting to get to the scouting reports and the and the true film study uh, on their own so they can ensure that perhaps a player doesn't take certain plays off. I'm just using a, a hypothetical. Or there's certain types of uh, phys uh, physical nature of an offensive lineman that might give this player more of a challenge. Or is this player take more of an inside path than an outside path, which we still quantify in statistical aggregation at stats, for instance. Uh, but I think that's one position where where teams will, yeah, they like the data. That becomes an indicator or suggestive of certain characteristics of a player, but then they really need to get down to and balance that with professional scouting, professional football eyes, watching players on film and in person, and, of course, the all-important interviews and the testing that goes on from, you know, starting next week all the way up until the draft. I think secondarily uh, what comes to mind is edge rushers, but also defensive backs, 
um, and wide receivers I would put in, in two and three. And of course, that's a, this could be arguable. It'd be interesting to, to have this discussion with other people uh, that I work with or colleagues in different companies, but that's the way I see it this year. Yeah, I think that would be a great conversation to have, just looking at different approaches. And you, and you mentioned the defensive backs, and that's that's one of the other position groups that I really want to talk about in terms of uh, how often a player is targeted versus the, the the result, you know, playmaking, building, that kind of thing. In generalities, obviously, you don't want to give anything away about what anybody's looking for in particular, but are there ways to quantify outside of film what's going on besides, you know, targets and receptions? Uh, certainly there, there are, I, I will always say, and I think it's ingrained in me, Ryan, to always give deference to the professional football eyes, the scouts, the coaches, they know players and really what stats and analytics is allowed teams to do is become more efficient with their time and give them an additional resource to buttress their work. Um, so, you know, I, I think using data services is, inc- is critically important. I'm a huge champion of it, but it's never meant to be a replacement for those professional eyes. So that being said, numbers are important and reports for efficiency and more breadth and depth information, maybe to run easier comparatives, but ultimately it always comes down to the film study. And for the defensive backs um, we have over time I'm speaking for stats but also the other services are doing similar things we're getting down to specific route concepts run by a wide receiver and since we track that we can track what types of routes might be more of a challenge or an area of strength for a defensive back and then when you couple that with per defensive personnel packages and also defensive scheme let's say nickel let's big nickel, for instance, or, you know, traditional four defensive back uh, setup, we can take that information, triangulate that, and then come up with contact, game contact, situational context that might, again, tell another story to a player's capability, to a defensive back's capability. So I think it starts with route concept, but then also layering on defensive scheme um, and then obviously the the, the personnel package defensive, uh, defensive team might be running at a certain point. Now, that's another interesting aspect of this. And and I want to ask you, you know, a lot of teams talk about the fact that they have to self-scout their own talent. And I completely understand that. But how often when you're about to work with maybe a new client or a new team or a new aspect, maybe a different uh, coordinator, how often are you looking at what the past season's NFL club did in terms of its scheme, uh, its alignments, the shells that it runs and that kind of thing? You, that's a great question, and I, I will honestly answer less than I would have had, had expected. The uh, the majority of the time, even to this day, and, and thinking about the eight years I've been doing this, almost nine now, um, teams tend to want to are, are looking outward at the opponent first the majority of the time. Now that's just my personal experience too. I must qualify that, but I've you know been working at it for quite a, quite a while now and I definitely share stories in terms of just what's going on in the industry in terms of trends with with people in sports technology and information services. But traditionally I'd say teams are more interested in looking at the opponent uh, though what I would qualify as more leading edge teams in terms of being information driven culturally as an organization, comfortable with technology. And that doesn't necessarily mean putting all the technology in the world in their offices. It means being very pragmatic and, and, and purpose driven with how they spend their money and how they use information resources and how they use technology. I think those teams look at tendencies of their own 
at the same weight as their opponents. But I and, and let me just take a, a swag at what I'm thinking in terms of percentage. I'd say maybe 20% of the teams I work with are interested at looking at themselves as much as they're looking at their opponents. And again, that's lower than I would have anticipated. Yeah. It doesn't it doesn't mean they're not, but I it's not part of the conversation that's driving the conversation when I'm engaging them. I, I think it would probably be beneficial just not only in, in game planning and so forth and in actually going about their job, but in, in evaluating talent and experience within a given scheme in, in the at the college level. I thought that would be a little bit easier to mix and match. Yeah, that's that's a great point. And, and I will say there's one particular uh, former head coach uh, in, in major college football, now a coordinator um, in both college and pro football over the past few years. I did a particular report for this for this head coach, and it happened to be by chance. They were using the system when I was full-time at Stats. They were using the ICE system and using our analytics for weekly scouting reports, primarily for opponent reports versus self-scout. But the head coach happened to come into one of the preparation meetings that we had during the season and he, it was a very kind of amazing, interesting, very honest moment. He, f- he felt like this head coach also had the p- uh, play calling duties. Uh, felt like he was in a rut in terms of how he was running plays mm-hmm. at, at a high level, that he was running too many plays to the short side of the field and that his opponents were picking up on it. So he asked us to do uh, a study that we were able to do pretty quickly for him. And come to find out, he was running almost 72% of the plays uh, to the short side of the field under the situation constraints that we discussed. <laughs> um, and 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 that is a that captured Ryan one of the the moments that I see I've experienced a lot and one of the most rewarding. Here's a, a brilliant football mind, a head coach at a, at a pro, predominant uh, you know national uh, collegiate football program, and felt something, knew it, didn't quite have the time to go study on his own. He's in season trying to win games and run his staff and get it and lead his team. You give him a report and it just validated a feeling. And an, an expectation or a belief that he had. And once he saw those numbers, he course corrected and uh, he felt like he was more successful and the team did really well the rest of the season uh, as well. But it was one of those really rewarding moments where, again, you, you do exactly what you hope to, you, that the information just provided an aha moment, just a reinforcement of what, you know, the football expert already knew. And once he had that, that gave him a quick, he pivoted immediately as these brilliant minds do and adapted his team and his game planning accordingly. And it was really rewarding to see that. Oh, I can imagine that that can be enlightening to the point that it changes your whole outlook at what you do. Now, that's one coach's example. In general, in, in the experience that you've had over the last years, is the is it spreading throughout the NFL as a league or is it still clustered of of teams that believe in it versus teams that maybe don't? I'd say we're we're at full capacity in terms of organizations accepting the fact that it, it we've moved from a nice to have in terms of be let's say information driven and leveraging technology let's just say versus a nice to have to a need to have and then there are varying degrees of level of need so league wide I'm really pleased to see where both the NFL and the major college football programs have have moved towards accepting information sources. That said, and I would say, you know, when I first started this, I would say there were probably two to five leading edge teams doing experimental stuff, uh, kind of attacking the whole idea of football information, stats, analytics, and technology. 
overall accepting a, a whole cultural thing inside the organization. I think there may be two to five teams when I first started. And today I'd say we're probably three quarters of the league is comfortable with that at varying degrees. Um, and I think we're a, a much smaller population are, are probably what I would describe as, as laggards in terms of wanting to be information driven, have installing it as a cultural thing, not just a tool, uh, more of a strategic idea. And that doesn't mean those teams are, are ineffective or they're poorly run. It's just a different, it's just a personality set, um, you know, that, that you experience. And you also have to become very accepting that some organizations have had a long history of success doing things the old way and sometimes, or, you know, old ways and evolution may be a little slower for them. Uh, so I've learned to be much more patient with organizations and also to learn how to communicate the true value of these things to, to, to teams in a way that fits their needs, uh, not just the need of, let's say, the company I'm supporting in terms of a consultant or working for full-time. Well, I'm very interested to know your opinion. Just from your experience, no specifics or anything like that, just do you see more impact when you're consulting with a given team uh, during the off-season? Is there preparing their rosters or or looking to revamp the schemes that they run or the more day-to-day week-to-week game planning adjustments that they can make based on data yeah that's a that's another great question uh, I would say the intense time of using information resources, stats and analytics is right now. This The college player evaluation that also bleeds into uh, pro, pro free agency, uh, the, the kind of the roster building, you know, for the new season. That seems that seems to be where almost universally amongst the, the NFL and, and major college teams, let's, start, let's stick with the NFL, where teams are using these information resources in, in, in part or in whole uh, right now. Uh, I, I would say, again, we're probably right around or just under 50% of the teams, I think, are in a, in a nice rhythm of incorporating uh, these analytical and statistical services along with their own scouting reports into uh, weekly game planning. Uh, it's certainly increased uh, in, in a population of teams doing that over the last two or three years. But I'd say we're still probably at that 50% barrier where you see, and I'm, I'm in that process right now, the teams I work with, I study last year's reports and we go through, okay, as we think about the 2017 season, are these reports and, and analysis that we want to repeat for, for 2017 from 2016? What things do we want? What things do we want to extend? What new data points? What might, might we be collecting? And then also that can all be changed when a coaching change comes, whether it's the head coach or a coordinator, there can be some di- different philosophies. So you do this post-mortem of the past season and you look at it going forward. So we're still, we're still not a critical mass uh, in terms of weekly game planning and advanced scouting and self-scouting during the season. Uh, but this, this college of player evaluation, combine, senior bowl, heading up to the draft, this is, uh, this is the intense time where data services are definitely utilized by the majority of clubs in some shape, way, or form. You heard it here, folks. It is here. It's here to stay. He is John Pollard, sports scientist extraordinaire. Thank you for being with us again, John. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Ryan. Appreciate it again. Hope to talk to you soon. It was a great talk with John Pollard. Thank you again for being on the show. Hope you guys enjoyed that. It's more of a look at how GMs and analytics go together and they take that process of going through the evaluations to make their selections on draft day. So I hope you enjoyed that. We'll have more as we get closer to the draft. Tons more topics to go into building a team's roster through the draft. Go ahead and subscribe to the show so you don't miss anything. It'll come right to your phone and you won't miss a thing that we go over getting ready for the draft. Thanks for listening to us today. Enjoy the combine this weekend, and we'll be back with you next week. 
Thanks for listening to the Locked On Chiefs podcast. While you're out there, give us a rating or review and reach out to us on Twitter at Ryan Tracy NFL and at Chris Clark NFL. We'll talk to you next time.